Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we're talking about Cloak and Dagger Season 2, Episode 10, Level Up, right after this. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name's Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. Week two in New York! Week two in New York. As we mentioned uh, on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, we're going to be having a podcast meetup in New York City at, say the name of the place. Come not a quest. Come not a quest. And then we're going to probably grab a drink or some food after. So uh, we'll try to get more details. But if you're interested in meeting up with us, shoot us an email at mcucast at gmail.com and we'll try to get so a group together this Wednesday night. It's going to be awesome. I'm super excited to meet some of you guys. Let's get into Cloak and Dagger. All right. Season finale. This is up there with one of my favorite seasons of Marvel television. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it is. I, uh, I like to think so, too. I mean, we've we've talked a lot this season about this show being as good, if not better, than a lot of the Netflix series. Yeah. Just because their their writing, their handling of the uh, of the adult material, and you know the the issues that they're tackling in this in this show are so much bigger than what it seems that Freeform, being a, a kids almost you know ABC Family teen drama type thing, would allow for. But it just they're going so far above and beyond our expectations. I agree, and and they're really not expecting you to um, need your hand held. Uh, we talked a lot about, spoiler alert on all this, we're going to talk about the end of the season, um, we talked a lot about in the previous weeks, like, how does the dark dimension work? Like, what is what is going on inside of Ty? Is it, are things inside of him, is he a, a gateway to something? What is happening? What is the record store? All that stuff was were really interesting questions and left me kind of on the edge of my seat wondering how it all worked. And, and there was even a point in the season where I was scared it wasn't going to make sense. <laughs> Um, but they didn't hold their hands through it. And then in episode nine, they really like brought it all together, pieced all the pieces together. And this, this, uh, final episode that happens almost completely in the dark dimension, um, or we could just call it the voodoo dimension if we wanted to, (laughs) I found super, super interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it seems that Ty, uh, more than anything is just a, uh, uh, a servant, a, a gatekeeper, if you will. He opens the door and allows things to pass through it. Yes. Um, and we were able to to get him to go inside there, uh, to pass through the door that he has just been opening. Mm-hmm. I loved having his ex-girlfriend, I guess ex-girlfriend now. Avita. Uh, yeah, Avita, sitting outside, almost being like their voodoo oracle. Like the Batman Oracle. Yep. <laughs> like she, she's being there. She's sitting there doing whatever they need. I really liked her as the support team. And I really liked Mayhem out there as a support team too. Although I think she killed Fuchs kind of hastily. Mm, I don't think she killed him actually. She threw a grenade at him. Well, she unpinned his grenades and then took his helmet and put it on. But then there were still three guys that she was fighting after that explosion happened. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I thought those were just different guys. I thought she took out the first three or whatever and the more came. I don't know. Yeah, the whole Fuchs thing was weird. I don't, I don't fully understand why Fuchs, why they needed that Fuchs moment. If they were going to have that Fuchs moment, 
why they didn't give me a better resolution. Like, I don't know. Was that a fake Fuchs? Because Fuchs was missing from the box in the dark dimension. So I guess we're supposed to... Was that Papa Legba? Because that's who Fuchs was the first time, right? Well, it looked like... It looked like Papa Legba was kind of in charge of that uh, that dark dimension type type deal at the mall and everything, and he just kind of let everybody do their thing there. I thought he was uh, only responsible for the gas station, whatever that means. <laughs> Maybe the gas station is the crossroads, and and Papa Legba is the one that stands at the crossroads, right? Exactly. No, that's. A th- I think that's what we're supposed to. To me, it seems like Papa Legba. He stands at the crossroads, but he's also sort of, if you go with a different mythology, he's the, he's the boat, the guy who mines the boat. You know what I mean? Like the, the, that takes you across to this other uh, dimension. Kiran. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Like he's sort of that figure. And so I, I assume that when you enter the dark dimension, you sort of always enter through the gas station, which is whatever the modern, that's the modern telling of the Papa Legba myth. That's the crossroads. And you have to choose which way to go. Um, I and then I guess Papa Legba was sending people out of the dark dimension. I don't know. It was weird, man. Fuchs being Fuchs being there, I don't fully understand. But I well, I mean, there were there were broken records and and like bowls full of pennies and everything at that gas station as well. So it looked like everything was just crazy because it, it seemed like Andre was disrupting the normal balance of things. Yes. I agree. And that's why it seemed like Fuchs was not in the in the fridge, and the fridge was like busted and leaning up against the against the gas station, and then there were broken records all over the place. So like that's what it looked like. Everything was just in turmoil and in chaos because of that. I agree. I agree. I just don't understand how that reached out into the real world in the form of three armed soldiers. Well, it was from what I understand it look to be like um shadow soldiers because they were all dressed in black and it, then they were you know emerging from the shadows it seemed like huh. andre in his you know loa form was sending these soldiers to uh to kind of try to cut the anchor or cut the rope so to speak oh yeah that's that's true. Before we get to see them in reality, we just see the shadow creep up behind her, and then we see Mayhem take that shadow out. And he said, who is that? He's like, I guess that's whatever uh, Aloha sends when they want you to stop or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I was, uh, yeah. It, it was just weird that it was Fuchs. It was weird that it was Fuchs. I, like, I feel like her connection to Fuchs, even though she's gone through this transformation of uh, being split apart and then put back together... I feel like her connection to Fuchs should be, she should have had a moment of questioning herself. You know what I mean? Like the, the side of her that is Bridget, I feel like would have had a moment of like, ooh, should, should I, should I kill the guy? Is this the real guy? Is there like still like a love there that would, and that's why he, that's why Andre would send him. But it also yeah. seems like it should have worked a little bit. Like maybe she had to figure out it's not actually him before she just murders him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is also the uh, the aggressive part that is uh, that's driving, so to speak. Yeah, that's true. Driving, but that's the thing. Bridget's still in there. The 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 good good mouse is still in there, and so I just feel like there should have been a bit of a maybe good mouse sir. 
um, surfaces for a second and goes, wait, 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 what are we doing? We can't kill. This is the guy we love. What if it's really him? We don't understand all this voodoo, voodoo stuff. Like what if, what if he's back? Uh, and that's what, that's what I think Andre was counting on, but mayhem just did not give him a, an inch. Like she just immediately murders Fuchs. <laughs> yep. I mean, there was the kiss and the, and the slowdown for a minute. Um, just long enough for her to, you know, take the pins out of the grenades yeah. and everything. Well, that's what I mean. There was the kiss and it was purely meant to like deceive him. It was entirely deception. Yeah. And I guess that's just showing the strength, I guess, of mayhem, the sort of unwavering strength of mayhem that is de- both, both, uh, strong, but dangerous. Yeah. Well, and she's also had to, she's had to have that discussion and that fight, that internal conflict over Fuchs after having seen him what twice now in in the crossroads area and you know she's had to deal with that already she's had that that whole like get over it arc that we just haven't seen I guess or maybe we did see and it didn't it didn't feel like it was you know that big a deal yeah well she's been a little distracted this season um, yeah. with splitting in half and not really being an entire person. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, uh, I really love the relationship building in this episode between Ty and Tandy. Yes. I loved it so much. Um, yep. I, this show's been written really smartly from a relational standpoint because most shows would have gone for the will they, won't they way sooner. Um, but giving Ty a, a girlfriend who had to sacrifice the relationship that like, it, it really, it really gave the, the Tandy and Ty relationship time to breathe. And then even still, I would have, I wouldn't have liked it, but I would have bought it if at the end of this episode, there'd been a kiss. Yeah. But they didn't need it. They had already had the discussion of waffles or pancakes. Right. But they're, they're just being sweet and she, they hold hands, which is like a, it's a, it's a little step on the way on this course of maybe they're going to be a thing. And I like, I like the fact that we got so long without them focusing on that and they just built a friendship. And this is a show about their friendship so far no, and really not anything else. And now we're finally getting to the point where maybe they're going to cross that line and that'll be new drama. But I, I, I will believe that drama because now we've got two years of friendship that a relationship can actually be based on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, um, we've got two years of them building each other up and, and you know being the reason that the other is the better person. You know? Yes. Like they've got... They've got all of that time spent and, you know, all of that emotional, uh, 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 that whole emotional arc, you know, with each other of being like, you know, this person has made me a better person and realized that I am strong myself and I am good enough, you know, and I'm going to cry trying to describe this probably, or like I'm getting a little teary thinking about it, but the idea that the reason they were able to win against Andre once they they swap sides and they're defeating each other's demons sort of <laughs> well they they they're winning the fight against each other's demons against each other's like he is beating her father and she is beating the other tie i loved the yep. line if anyone could kick my ass it's you i loved that <laughs> i loved that i loved it so much um 
it, it was funny, but also poignant and also cute and also didn't, I don't know. It, it like, it showed the fierceness of Tandy, um, and, and his respect for her as a fighter. I loved all of that. It was just, it was just really good. But, um, when they swap sides, they start winning. And then Andre says enough of this and swaps them back. Yep. And what it was, they both had the realization that moment, the way I can conquer this demon is to see myself through the other person's eyes. Yeah. I need to see myself like Ty sees me. And Ty says, I need to see myself like Tandy sees me. And that's them realizing that they have value and that all of the things that have held them back and that are, are, are oppressing them in this moment are, are things that the person who loves them most doesn't see in them. They see their good, the good in them. And that is so powerful and moving. And that is the exactly the kind of thing you can build a relationship on. Um, and I, I just really, really loved it. I, I'm yep. tearing up thinking about that moment. It really meant a lot to me. I loved it. I can hear you tearing up over it and it, <laughs> modifying the way that you're speaking. Yes. And I, I too felt that, uh, that, that kind of welling up of emotion when it was happening. I was like, Oh my God, they're just, they've got, ah, they see the best in each other and they need to see the best in themselves. And they're teaching each other to do that. And Oh my God, like those are all the emotions that I went through during the episode. And I, I feel like I need to watch it again because I still feel like I just did not catch everything when I was watching it the first time. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I want to see this whole season again. And in the context of understanding a lot more about the, um, uh, the dark dimension, I think the season would mean more going back. Oh yeah. I highly recommend doing a little bit of research on, uh, on voodoo just in general, just kind of like, overall overarching like voodoo like who the loa are and you know what those what those people mean as far as you know context and what they like whatever and just kind of do a little bit of research on the voodoo mythology before going into the season you'll get a lot more out of it i was i was lucky to have the wife that i have i have no doubt that someone out there and if they haven't you should do that you should get your wife to do this um Someone out there has have written an article, things you should know about voodoo before watching Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> I bet that, I bet that, that's, if that's not an article, that should be an article somewhere. I'll get her to write that up. She's really good at, uh, at writing knowledge base articles for, for work. Yeah. Uh, she's kind of been put in charge of the knowledge base articles, so that would flow right into her, uh, knowledge management content writing skills. Yeah, that's, that's rad. That's cool. She should, she should totally do that. <laughs> and then we'll publish it on our site because yeah, you know, man. so much traffic. We should get a better website. We had some complaint about our website last week because there's a lot of ads that pop up and stuff. Because currently we're using a free WordPress site. We probably need to move away from that. Um, we should talk to the guys at Liquid Web because they do WordPress site hosting and uh, site management. Okay. We may do that. We may do that. What's our, what's our promo code for Liquid Web? MCU cast. Whoa, everybody, if you need some hosting services that I don't fully understand, but Jeff does because he's more computery than me, go to liquidweb.com and use the promo code MCUCAST. Uh, okay. Um, I had so many notes and we have talked for 
15 minutes and I haven't even like used, I'm looking over my notes to see what I've covered so far. And there's so many things I have not covered. Um, so I'm going to throw a few things out, uh, maybe rapid fire cause there's way too much here to have as long a conversation as this could go. Um, uh, I wish they had shown in the mirrors what they were seeing. Yes. Yes. And I don't know why they didn't exactly. It kind of seemed like laziness, honestly, like it, it kind of seemed like they didn't want to get like, I, in my opinion, and I don't know if this is true. It seemed like something that they definitely would have shot, but somehow in the edit, they, they were like, Oh, that's, we can't decide how, how to treat this. Or maybe that says something we didn't mean to say, or I don't know. It just seemed weird and kind of lazy not to show like you would have had to select which ones, uh, which versions of tie to pair up. You would have also had to select you would have also had to create multiple versions of Ty, which I feel like Tandy's a little bit more of a chameleon than Ty is. Um, but you've always got like prep school Ty, cloak Ty, um, little kid Ty. Like all the, there, there are a few ties they could have used, and, and we didn't get to see all of them. And I kind of wish we had. Yeah, yeah, it felt kind of like. Uh kind of disjointed i don't know for them to do that but you know then again it could have just slowed down the episode with they if they had shot it and and looked at it it probably slowed down the the pacing because we know what happens there well we'll, we'll kind of know that's the thing we don't know exactly what happens there we know what tandy chose but we still have like questions about how the dark dimension works and what that mirror means and i feel like if they had shown us maybe like all those same tandies but paired with a different tie each of them like maybe the version of tie would have given us a a sort of mirror into what that version of tandy meant in this place i don't know i feel like they could have done something cool there and they instead they were like oh let's just not show it (laughs) that was kind of a weird choice in my opinion I think uh, I think the important thing though is that after after they did make that decision and and go with whatever version they went with is the the costume change went straight to superhero versions. I know. That was amazing. We got actual superhero versions of Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger officially are themselves in this moment. I loved that. Yep. Yep. And like seeing his cloak, seeing his actual cloak like that cloak looked exactly like it does in the comics. And it had that same sort of structure to the hood that it does in the comics. And like everything about it was so absolutely freaking perfect on brand for him. That's awesome. And like, I was so excited with that, (laughs) with that whole sequence and that whole costume bit. Yeah, man, me too. Me too. And then it's put back out into the real world and they were not in costume anymore. Yeah, of course, which I get. But I, I did really like that they get, they got the moment. They got the, the yeah. it, it's just like the Luke Cage moment when you get a tie, um, when you get a tie into the comics. Yep. Uh, that was a weird moment in my own brain. I said tie and then I forgot which tie I was talking about, the word tie or the character <laughs> tie. Okay. That's weird. I'm getting tired apparently. It's not that late. It's not that late. You were getting tired. Oh no! I don't know what I said. I don't know what I meant there either. <laughs> okay, missed opportunity in my opinion. This is a uh, this is just totally a rewrite. I would prefer um, when Andre is about. He says, um, "What does he say?" 
he says he's not collecting records anymore. And then he says he's collecting people. You know that moment? I do. I really wish he'd said he's not collecting records anymore. He's making them because what records represent is pain. And he's standing there playing his trumpet and that was the stage he was on when he was about to make his record. I was, I really wanted when he said he's not collecting records anymore. I'm not collecting records anymore. I'm making them. But what he's doing is making pain for the people in his little orbit, in his little world. Yeah, he's creating despair. Yeah. And I, I, I know that's not what they said and that's maybe not what they wanted him to say or mean, but man, it would have been a better line. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry. That's just a rewrite. That's not. That's not really a good. Uh, we, we, we'd be remiss without mentioning the sword. Oh yeah, yeah. The sword was uh, was real intense. The sword was real intense. Is that going to be her thing now? Is uh, the the sword like the sword is mightier than the daggers? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's it's just an evolution of her powers. I guess like she's only been able to make these small light daggers up till now and. Uh, now she can apparently, and she can make these light bombs that happen, and now she can apparently make a sword of hope, a sword made of pure hope. So. Yeah, there were daggers of hope, and now they're, now it's a sword. Of, like, in a couple of seasons, she's gonna be making, like, great swords, you know, two-handed great swords of hope. <laughs> <laughs> like a joie-hander. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I loved uh, the scene where Ty fights himself. Mostly TIE because, fighter? yeah, he's a TIE fighter. Um, I yep. love when Ty became a TIE fighter. Um, <laughs> it, that scene was so well acted. I love just seeing the sort of smarmy villain Ty. Yep. Really, really loved it. Also, that tie reveals to us that Ty definitely knows that his mother killed Connors. Well, he suspects from the look of it. Well, yeah, okay. So he he knows, but he doesn't want to believe. Yeah, he hasn't admitted it to himself, but the dark side of him knows. Yep. And blames him for it, which means that's that's what's going on in his head. This oh, this, God, this episode is so freaking good. I'm sitting here talking yeah. about it, and I'm getting like tingles talking about how well they represented what's going on in these characters heads by giving them like real stuff to do real character work, you know? Yep. It's crazy that, that this one episode has led you through like crying over how these characters look at each other and how they need to understand themselves the way that the other people understand them. But also like admitting things to themselves and knowing, you know, what kind of struggles they have inside themselves and being like welled up with these emotions. We've been taking on so many emotions and it's, it's almost overwhelming how much this, this show has affected us emotionally and mentally. It's so crazy good. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's see. I thought the Zorro reference was weird. <laughs> I would say that, Zorro thing? I mean, it was obviously a Zorro thing when she got a Z in his chest, right? Yeah, but, for sure. But I, I, it was more, I think, she was like, you know, I've got A things and B things, and you're at the very end Z. Oh, yeah. I got it. Was, it. <laughs> it was just like, it's a Zorro thing. <laughs> it's a Zorro reference. 
couched in a she they he kind of she gave they gave her a reason to cut a z but that's definitely a zoro reference the only thing i like about it is that in the original batman uh myth or like in the batman mythos he's watching a zoro movie i don't know if it's in the original but in the in the, in the batman mythos he's watching a zoro movie when he becomes when his parents are killed and so kind of a, having a having a superhero reference zoro sort of makes it this like you know, Zorro is sort of the original superhero. You know what I mean? Like that goes way back into like that sort of masked hero. I don't know. That's kind of cool, but like it just seemed a little cheesy, a little weird. And like Tandy being her age, maybe not even knowing who Zorro is. I don't know. It just all seemed weird. Was there a, uh, was there a Zorro reference earlier this season? I feel like recently in some show I've been watching. I'm not sure what there was. There's been a, a Zoro reference. I do not recall a Zoro reference this season. Okay, I'll have to find it. I've yeah. been watching a lot recently. Um. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're up in New York trying to save money, so you're just like I'm just watching TV, basically. Yeah. Smart. Smart, my friend. Smart. <laughs> um. Let's see. I got a couple other things here. I had so many notes on this episode. I loved it so much. Um. Tandy torturing Andre at the end. I know Andre's the bad guy, but her making him feel the pain that he's caused others to feel felt a little sadistic and not really necessary. Yeah, she just she looped him on that one awful, like awful, awful note and like gave him the migraines, took his horn away, like gave him the migraines and, and with the light and just like really did kind of a uh an anti-hero sort of thing like i get that like without that 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 he would have kept going and he would have you know killed all of these people and and just like done all these this this huge terrible thing but like is that is that the ethical outcome is that the most ethical route yeah it seemed just a little sadistic to me it did not seem necessary it, uh, up until that point when she's giving him, I think when she's shooting the light at him, he's still a fighting and it's like, you're, they're still trying to bring him down. But once he's down and he has lost his power, they've taken his horn and he's sitting on that bed and she just starts playing that record for him. And like, she's like, this is how it feels. I was like, Ugh, I don't know. This is not really great. Kind of mean. What do you think it meant that the priest had his record? And kind of threw it away. I guess his life is meaningless. Like that, that, that seemed mean to me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know why that record showed up the way that it did. Like what's the, how did that get there? Was that something that they pulled out of the, of the crossroads no, or the dark dimension or whatever? My assumption was that was from before he had to give up the trumpet. Like that was one of his actual records from the days before his migraines. That's, that's what I got. I gathered. Wasn't it called, like, wasn't it titled first migraine? Yes. <laughs> that's a weird thing to name your record, especially a jazz record. And, and then maybe, maybe he had had migraines previously. I don't know. Like it's honestly, it's not that weird. Uh, it's very much when you think about artists and what they're going through, it's just like we were talking about on the last episode about influencers. And these days people want to know more and more about the artist. You're no longer trying to write songs that are universal in general, most of the time uh, to some degree, but you're also trying to write a song or 
do art that really expresses who you are personally. And so like, if that's the biggest part of his life is that's one of his struggles and his migraines are getting worse and worse. And he knows one day he may not be able to play anymore. Like that's a pretty emotional, emotionally evocative topic. And especially for an instrumental album, like I could see that being like, 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 like that's the kind of thing you talk about it for as a musician that totally makes that, that tracks to me, I should say. That tracks. So I'm assuming that maybe that was that was an album he recorded before, and it was about his first migraine, and then, or that's what he named it after, and then later, you know, because people, especially jazz, is supposed to be about your pain, or I guess blues, blues is supposed to be about your pain, and so he's making this jazz record, and that's what he called it. I get that, but it just again, it seemed mean that like he just, I guess, got destroyed. Or whatever, as as Aloha. Do we know? Did he just leave? Did would they leave him sitting on that bed? Is that the last thing we see? Um, I don't remember. I mean, I as far as I remember, he was just kind of in a in a stasis. Yeah. So so he's not even necessarily dead. They just leave him in the dark dimension, listening to a record in pain. That seems awful. And then it cuts yeah. to a priest throwing his his record away. Like the the little bit of work that did survive all the pain and the migraines and all that stuff. They just show him throwing it away. I was like, ooh, that was that was rough. <laughs> I mean, I thought that maybe that record was brought like brought from the dark dimension out, like they brought it back with them to kind of like, you know, if we ever need to, we can play this and screw him up. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to, hard to say again. I need to watch it again. Yeah. I just don't know why the priest would have that record. If, and if it was a, if it was a record to like maybe ward him off in the future, why was he throwing it away? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, why uh why why was the record just left there like it seemed like if they did bring it back they just left it there and they were just kind of like yeah you know we'll just toss this over here and then tell the priest guy to come fix up this church yeah um okay last couple things why what what the f tie go stop that human trafficker Right. <laughs> right. I, I'm glad you made a deal with the corner boys and they're not going to be selling drugs to human traffickers anymore. That's a good thing. Um, that seems like a good place to draw a line where you in a community that, you know, you don't want to punish all the people just because they're down on down on their luck and raised in a culture of drugs and like it's sort of a libertarian view, like of what of that whole thing. Like, sure, they can, they can, they should be able to do drugs if they want to. If people want to choose to do drugs, but let's stop the people who are forcing it. Okay, great. That's that's a great thing. But you still see a guy human trafficking, and we don't see our superhero pop into his car and take him out. <laughs> You're right. Like we don't see our our teleporting superhero show up and beat his ass. Yeah, I I I have to assume off screen he did, but we we should have seen it. But instead we get smiling Ty just like, yeah, you guys are doing good. He should have at least been concerned. Like that was weird. It was a weird scene. I mean, if he popped in and like just started beating the crap out of that guy and the corner boys are like, "We didn't sell him anything. We didn't sell him anything." Like <laughs> it would have been weird, I guess, for them. 
for that for that to happen and him to like turn to them and be like no you guys are good but this guy's an asshole and just start kicking the shit out of him like would have been a little off-putting maybe yeah yeah man and oh gosh it's real dark too that that uh gangster that drug dealing gangster fully knew that a lot of his customers are human traffickers right and, and that just makes to me that guy's got to go like if you if you have let it get to that point that you know that whatever some large percentage of your business comes from human traffickers you're no longer just like a victim in all of this and yeah. all the economic despair you've been through has led you to a very dark place and you need to get you're 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 done. You're a villain now. He needs to be taken out. Right. You're no longer worthy of just being overlooked. Yeah. I, I, I think that, that he probably needed to be punished or arrested or something. Ty should have done something to stop that guy. Yep. He should be out there collecting trash with Leah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that was an okay place to leave Leah. Like, not... I don't know. Leah was a hard case because how much of it was her being a victim and how much of it was her she participating in? Yeah, well, I mean, how much of it was her being a victim? How much of it was her participating? How much of it was Stockholm Syndrome? Absolutely. You know? How much was it her just leaning into it and, and seeing where it went? I feel like they're asking some questions on this show about culpability and, like, when should you be punished for your crimes? Um, yeah. But they're not giving clear answers to that in some cases. Well, I don't think that, that you necessarily can, you know, it's a, it's a complex topic. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, so they're leaving new Orleans. Yeah, man, they're on a bus. That's pretty crazy. I, I, I kind of don't want them to, I really like that the show has been so rooted in voodoo and I guess it still can be wherever they go. Um, but, it seemed I, it'll it'll seem weird to leave, leave New Orleans behind for this show. Although the scene where they left New Orleans and take on me, that version of take on me playing was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was. It felt great at the beginning. It felt great, and, and it was. It, it felt like it was a challenging take on me. Like uh, they're about to take on Andre, but then at the end, it was a sweet take on me. Like the song is meant when they're holding hands and they take on each other's struggles and pains and demons, you know, ah, I freaking loved it. I'm glad that, uh, that their, their powers have kind of subdued a little bit to where they can actually hold hands now. Yes. Well, they figured that out like season one. Well, no, it was at the end of season one that they were like, they held hands and made the eruption happen. And right. That's what saved everybody or whatever. But right. I guess that that big explosion was the uh, sort of resolution. Yeah. It, it then allowed them to hold hands afterward. Yeah. 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 Do you think maybe that big, uh, that that big explosion and, and everything that the buildup was like perhaps a metaphor for, for teenage sex? Hmm. Maybe I definitely think there's some they're, they're they're playing with something there with the there is something uh metaphorical about the way that they can't touch each other and there's something like about holding back like that that's sort of um let's face it it's kind of sexy um have, <laughs> have you ever seen oh gosh what's it called have you ever seen it's got the pie maker in it oh gosh there's a pie show. Maker. And it's about a pie maker. <laughs> but, um, hold on. Uh, 
Pushing Daisies. Have you ever seen Pushing Daisies? I have not. Okay, well, slight spoiler for Pushing Daisies. This is just first episode establishing stuff. But it's a really beautiful first episode, so if you want to see it, please skip, 30, skip ahead 30 seconds. But Pushing Daisies is awesome. It is a show about a guy who realizes he has the ability to touch something and bring it back to life. But if he touches it again, it dies forever. And so in the first episode, he kind of falls in love with a girl, but she dies and he brings her back. And then he can't touch her anymore. Yes. So they fall, they continue to fall in love throughout the series, but he can't touch her. And it makes this sort of tension and sweetness. That's kind of nice. All right. Well guys, uh, hit us up at mcucast.com. At MCUcast on Twitter, Facebook.com slash MCUcast, MCUcast at gmail.com, or call us at 573-CAST-MCU. If you would like to uh, come meet us in New York this week, that'd be awesome. Uh, we're going to be on New York Wednesday night uh, going to Comnata Quest. I said it right. And Yay, then, good, good job. <laughs> and then uh, if you want to hear more from us, check us, check, uh, check, uh, yeah. If you want to hear more from me, check me out at the Star Trek Universe Podcast or the Orville Universe Podcast, or check out my music uh, anywhere you get music. My name is Matthew Carroll. Peace. Until next time, Drew Believers. Believers.